From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our co-host, Chris Whitler, and uh, our prayer intercessor, our faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, with us as well. And uh, the doctor is back in. So good. <laughs> so good, Dr. Jim Henman, to have you back with us. It's, been it's a great months. to be here, Mike. Great to be here. Oh, and we were, you know, what, what we love is the way that, that the Spirit just gets hold of these times we have together and just runs with it and we, we just we just follow him and some great things happen. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Right at the top here, I just want to remind you, if you're listening locally here in the Modesto, uh, Greater Modesto, Stanislaus County area in California, on Thursday, June 6th, that's just about a week from now, we were going to have a citywide prayer breakfast. That's Thursday, June 6th from 7 in the morning till 8.30 in the morning. And I guarantee it will end on time because I have some influence with the MC for that particular event. <laughs> so <laughs> Thursday, June 6th, a Modesto Prayer Breakfast. If you would like to attend, ABC has two tables, and I'd be happy to uh, give you a complimentary ticket to attend. We think it's that important uh, to, to join in prayer for the city. So if you're interested, please give us a call, 209 544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Or you can email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. Info at vibrantcommunities.org. Before we get to Jim Henman, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with the Challenge for Jesus Freaks from the Voice of the Martyrs. Consider your worst enemy, perhaps someone who hates Christians and would even seek to destroy the church. Don't give up on them. Remember how God chose Saul, a persecutor of Christians, and then transformed him into a passionate, inspiring preacher? The Voice of the Martyrs has identified seven modern heroes of the faith who were once zealous persecutors. Their stories have been gathered in a book appropriately titled Saul to Paul, From Persecutor to Christ Follower. Sometimes we all need to be reminded of the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit. For more on Saul to Paul, go online to persecution.com. 
Dr. Jim Hinman, I, I thought that would be an appropriate entree <laughs> to some of tonight's discussions. Uh, with all the stuff going around, around, by the way, Dr. Jim Hinman, uh, a local uh, psychologist and therapist and author of Who's Really Driving Your Bus? And if you're looking for Christ-centered nuggets that can help transform your lives, I highly recommend the book. And also, if you're uh, listening to us, you can get on your computer as well and look up his website, which is careforyou.com, and that is C-A-I-R for Y-O-U, as in Changing Attitudes in Recovery, careforyou.com, and you can take a look at some of those uh, wonderful resources uh, that are there as as we talk about them. So, Jim, here we just heard from Voice of the Martyrs about mm-hmm. Paul here, a persecutor of Christians. I mean, this okay. is the guy, you see him coming during the first century, mm-hmm. and you run the other way. If you're lucky enough to. If you can get away, right? Yeah. And look it gives being stoned did. a whole new meaning. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the, the original meaning. The, yeah, original, the original meaning. meaning. Yeah, right. yeah. It's a That's different right. recovery then Boy. from being stoned than, than, <laughs> than now. But you know, Jim, we look at, at all of these things going around the world, the, the, the bombing in, mm-hmm. in Boston. We look at the tornado that touched down in, uh, in Oklahoma, all, all the deaths and, and destruction and, and people tend to lose hope and, and they, they tend to give up and, and yet God is in the business of transformation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I just w- was thinking, what encouraged him? Cause I'm sure you get the questions. Why does God allow all of this? Mm-hmm. Well, how could a loving God allow this? Kind of, oh, yeah. And I know that you get the mm-hmm. question. Oh, so sure. let, let, let's start out with that, Jim, in terms of God's transforming power. How, how mm-hmm. do we answer that question effectively and appropriately? Well, I think honestly is probably the best bet. And God values relationship ultimately. Relationship is at the very heart of God's plan. Can you really have relationship with a robot? Hmm. God decided no. The only way he could have relationship with man is if man had choice. Now, had man not fallen in the garden, things may have turned out very different. But man did fall gained the knowledge of good and evil, blamed the woman, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. Adam hid behind a bush because he was naked. But notice in Genesis, God comes into the garden. Now, you don't think God knows where Adam was? Mm. Give me a break. But it reflects God's style and nature in relationship to man. God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I'm hiding because I'm naked. How did you know that you were naked? Well, the woman you gave me, God, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I did too. And it's been that way ever since. But the fact is, that's the nature of God to want relationship, even in knowing that Adam and Eve had eaten from the fruit, he still approached them with respectful relationship. Think about that for a moment. And the idea that he somehow kicked man out of the garden because of, quote, 
pride hmm. kicked him out of the uh, Adam and Eve out of the garden because of sin then you're not really reading the same genesis that I am the truth is if you read genesis very carefully he removed Adam and Eve from the temptation of the garden because with their track record, the chances of them eating from the tree of life and having eternal life crushed in shame and self-loathing, which is what comes when we see how far far short we come from God's perfection. So he stayed in relationship with Adam and Eve outside of the garden and gave them the opportunity to have life without being drenched in shame. Now, you can't do that without choice. If I choose to take a six-pack, well, let's be a 12-pack, heck with it, a 24-pack, and I am so out of my mind that I can hardly even find the car, but I get in the car drunk, I mean truly out of my mind drunk, I've chosen to get in that car drunk. God didn't choose for mm. me to get in that car drunk, but he allowed my choice, even though he knew, being outside of time, that the result was going to be that I was going to T-bone Mike and his family and kill, worst of all, everyone but Mike, mm. which would be harder on Mike than if absolutely it was Mike killed and the family spared. Did God will me to T-bone Mike's car? No. But was it in God's perfect will for choice to unfold in a fallen world? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, years ago, I, I I was able to sit in on a, a lecture at a seminary with a with an old theologian, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you have a certain as a young man, I had a certain idea of what an old theologian would be like in a seminary. You know, you have this idea that it's all, you know, uh, very dry and, you know, mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. And and I walked into the room, and as this guy started to talk, I was taken aback because he just loved Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he talked to us about an orthodox concept of God, uh, this idea that the Trinity is dancing. And the Trinity is, is, is this, uh, a kind of a dance group and they're cr- being creative and they've invited mankind into the dance. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, this idea that when we take a wrong step, that God's redemptive love moves in and around us and creates redemption out of tragic situations. Mm. It invites it. It doesn't force it, right? But it yeah. does invite it. It's been a very comforting thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim, when we get those type of questions, mm-hmm. you know, so often as on the pastoral level, mm-hmm. we we are tempted to answer in deep theology. Mm-hmm. People aren't looking for deep theology when they're hurting that much. No. You know, what, what they need is, and I think you kind of hit it, the way God deals mm-hmm. with it, Chris, mm-hmm. is Absolutely. he loves us through it. Chris was spot mm-hmm. on in, in what he was saying. Yeah. That's that's really the answer. God loves us enough that he will weep with both me and my family for having been drunk and causing 
this mm. death. He will weep with Mike's family. He'll weep with those that love Mike. He'll weep with those that now hate me for killing Mike mm. and try to give them a spirit of forgiveness for the horrible, horrible choice that I put into action. That's that redemptive at any God has what I say to clients, an amazing refresh button. Mm-hmm. To feel good about noticing that I need it is the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. Hitting it is taking further action on that wisdom. Believing it to be true, the Holy Spirit makes real. I believe. Mm. Jim, you you mentioned that word shame a little mm-hmm. while ago. Mm-hmm. Boy, the enemy uh, gets his talons into that and mm-hmm. and just decimates people with yeah. that thing. Let, let's talk a little bit about, about mm-hmm. shame, its relationship to guilt, and all of that in relationship to God. Mm-hmm. And and how how do we sort that out? Well, either God is mistaken, which I don't really think is accurate. <laughs> just a guess. Yeah, that's true. I'm guessing God is not. He sees. Chris as a new creation. He sees me as a new creation. Does that mean that my new creation self, who I truly am, is who's going to be driving at any given moment? No. doesn't mean that. Paul made that so clear in Romans. The fact that I'm a new creation doesn't mean that's who's driving all the time. Shame, though, is saying I'm a mistake. Shame is a statement of identity. Hmm. And if I am correct that I am shame, then God is wrong in seeing me as a new creation. So I'm going to put my money on God and reject shame as a faulty identity. Now, if I'm starting to get in the car drunk and something happens that I pass out and fall asleep, And it happens. Sometimes, I believe, by supernatural intervention even. Mm. And I wake up and I start feeling really guilty about what I did, was going to do. Mm -hmm. But I fall asleep at the wheel instead. Guilt in the present is conviction. It helps us learn to turn around and go a different direction. But if 10 years later I'm still feeling the same guilt then it's really shame because mm. it's no longer a current experience. Right. That guilt is something, guilt is something specific and useful yeah. that you can turn from. Mm-hmm. And shame is a general idea of I'm not worthy. Right. Yeah. And although actually, oh, I'm so glad you said it that way, Chris, because we're not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not our worthiness. It's God's value. Of us, right. that is worthy. God is worthy. We're lucky enough to receive that unearned, unmerited gift. Absolutely, yeah. all because of who He is. All because, because of who, who He are. is. Mm-hmm. And when we try to be perfect in order to be like Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm jumping right in. Hey, I, I go often, but that's all right. <laughs> Jesus was not a perfectionist. Jesus was not worried about coming across perfectly so that everyone would know that he was who he says he is and 
that he was going to be a perfect poster child for God. He was the opposite. He had the sin of healing on the Sabbath, which we don't think of as a sin, but at that time, under the law, that was a sin. He was interacting with non-Jewish people. Now that's not even, that's a, a double sin. Not kosher. Not kosher. <laughs> <laughs> you, exactly. You beat, you beat me to it. <laughs> Hold the mayo. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, when we try to be perfect, it's kind of like when Paul said in Galatians, let me tell you again, don't go for circumcision. When we go for the law, is when we're trying to be perfect. We're trying to be good enough to earn a free gift. Hear that oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Earn a free gift. The result is either a Pharisee or a crushed casualty mm-hmm. that becomes a non-believer because they don't feel they can be good enough to be a Christian. And I think some of those are victims of the Pharisaical yeah. approach, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Not not that we do that in our 21st century church, right? As, I mean, we we wouldn't be Pharisees, mm-hmm. would we? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just uh, I was uh, reading that uh, there's a passage where Jesus says to his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and, and mm. Sadducees. Mm-hmm. I was talking about with our youth group, and we were talking about what leaven is, you know, and, and what it does mm-hmm. to bread. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it gets in there and it changes the nature of what that dough is, and then it it, it, it puffs it up. Right? Oh, and, that's perfect. Yeah. Chris, like, that's so perfect. Like, yeah, I think that that... That, uh, that was a kind of an interesting mm-hmm. thought to mm-hmm. see. Oh yeah, that's what leaven does. It gets in there. It changes the nature of what it is and makes it puffy. <laughs> we need to not be puffy. We no. need to be gratefully humble, which allows for powerful vulnerability where it's more important to learn and grow than be right. Hmm. And that's what we need in the church today where it's more important to show his nature and style than to be right. You know, and Mm. and Jim, one of the things that we have to deal with are many of the unspoken rules in a lot of congregations Mm -hmm. uh, that that we we may not know about, but but they're there. We know them if we step on one. They're like landmines that, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that, that go off. And... Shame can come from that too, yes, because absolutely. especially if if we idol worship the the pastor, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it comes down that we violated one of those rules, and mm-hmm. yeah, and and this I think we have to be so careful. You know, let, let, let's go back to this this pastoring thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very concerned about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really am. I, I'm 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 troubled about where we are in our Western. Pastorate. I, mm-hmm. I think we have elevated that beyond what Paul ever had in his mind, and certainly far beyond what God ever had in mm-hmm. in His mm-hmm. mind. And and we we we've created a a, a no win situation both for congregants and and for pastors in the way that that we in terms of our expectations mm-hmm. of, uh, of 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 pastors mm-hmm. and uh, you know going back and, and looking at, at at Saul the Pharisee mm-hmm. 
persecuting Christians, God takes him, turns him around, flips him around, and the thanks he gets for following Christ is left for dead at the city gates mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and you know beaten mm-hmm. and and thrown out of town and and reviled by the by the Judaizers the super apostles and here's this weirdo singing praises in the center of the prison yes what kind of wacko does that a spirit filled wacko <laughs> so what does that tell us about those of us? So I'm thinking, what about the young guys and gals mm-hmm. coming out mm-hmm. of cemetery, uh, seminary today? Um, Jim, Jim, what, yes. what, <laughs> what ought we to be really equipping them to do? I just, mm-hmm. I talk, and I won't name the seminary, but big, mm-hmm. I mean, huge, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not where mm-hmm. I got my degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to the, the man that does the placement for graduates coming mm-hmm. out. And I said, mm-hmm. I won't use his real name. I'll say his name is Jack. I said, Jack, are you equipping these young men and women to be shepherds when they graduate? He said, no. I, I said, then, then what's the purpose of seminary? He says, the purpose is to teach them to exegete, to teach them Hebrew, and to teach them Greek, mm-hmm. and to know how to properly exegete Scripture. Mm-hmm. So we don't give them any equipping for real life mm-hmm. as a shepherd. Now, for the dyslexics among us, what is exergy? Yes. <laughs> That's taking apart a piece of scripture, dissecting it, taking a, a, a look at it, picking it apart, uh, understanding all the little pieces and how they how they fit. How together. they fit together? Okay. How they fit okay. together? Okay. Uh, how the puzzle pieces fit the mm-hmm. the, the grand mosaic? Mm-hmm. And I'm just burdened that maybe we're, the way we're approaching the education for future shepherds is, is really setting them up mm-hmm. for a fall. Mm-hmm. What in your mind, and cause I, I love your mind, mm-hmm. you know, God has just mm-hmm. given you, I mean, your synapses fire in a way mine never will. <laughs> God You're is lucky. Good. I mean, my, mine just, you know, they, they start to smoke at some point and then, you know, the, the alarms go, whoop, 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 you know, mayday, mayday. What, what, if, if we could establish a new seminary and we're going to do our best to equip men and women that would like to go into full-time vocational ministry, mm-hmm. What kinds of things should we be preparing them with that we're not preparing them for right now? Grace. Wow. Oh, man. Transforming grace, Mm. which is what allows transparency, which is what allows relationship, which is what God works through in the body. Wow. Grace 101. Grace 101. Relationship 101. Transparency 101. In our congregation... That's not license. I want to be real clear. There's a difference between freedom and license. Freedom, two definitions. One's in the bus book. The uh, Freedom is the willingness to accept the consequences of our choices. That's one definition of freedom. The other that I really enjoy as much... People don't like that one, the first one. They don't like the other one either. It's a pattern of my life. Freedom is the willingness to do what you want to do, even when someone demands that you do it. 
Say that again. Freedom is the ability to do what you want to do, even if someone demands that you do it. Now, God doesn't demand that we do it, Hmm. but he deeply invites us to healthiness. He wants healthiness for us because he loves us perfectly. Hmm. That's relationship. You can't have relationship if you're a submarine, an airtight compartment that each compartment may be totally different than the other compartments. One doesn't touch or affect the other. God is not a submarine. Hmm. He is, from the beginning to the end, analog. He is one continuous, relational, loving being. We're becoming. He's being. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that process of becoming really awkward doesn't... Clumsy. Ar- well, it, messy? Messy, awkward, clumsy. And without the freedom to be transparent, we'll trade those in for masks. Mm-hmm. And masks will prevent the Holy Spirit from doing what God would wish in our lives. I'm, I'm sensing there, there's a, a, a duality here in terms of how we approach this. Uh, and I'm talking about transparency. Mm-hmm. There really has to be a willingness on the part of the congregation to allow the shepherd to be transparent. Mm-hmm. And of course, the willingness of the shepherd to, to be transparent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's no secret. Uh, Except even for I, one detail, Mike. Go ahead. You can only serve one master. Hmm. If the master is the congregation, the church is in trouble. If God is the master, and the pastor in his transparency is allowing the spirit through him to reflect God's nature and style toward himself and toward others, those that are alive will resonate to that. Those that are Pharisees will try to kill him. I know that, personally. (laughs) Tremendous risk there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've gone into every session for, what, 41 years now, prepared to be fired, so that I could be honest and open and give whatever God gives me to give to a client. I don't want to be fired, but I've gone into every session for 40 years prepared to be fired. It's a lot of sessions. Mm. I wouldn't change it. And I get fired. And some of them rehired 20 years later by the same person. But, you know. Well, I, I think this aspect of tent making, mm-hmm. this paradigm that Paul had, mm-hmm. not a bad idea mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Number one, his income depends on himself. Mm-hmm. And so he can be transparent and speak truth without fear of losing his income. Right. Now, of course, there's the stonings and the beatings mm-hmm. and, you know, the, you know, being thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I'm just thinking that maybe that principle is something we ought to look at and offer as a realistic option. Mm-hmm. Because there, there tends to be this, this perception. If you're not the full time dude, you're not really a shepherd. You're kind of, you know, you're a bivocation. I would love someone to say that to Paul. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you don't quite measure up. Because <laughs> that's what they're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is what they're saying. It's not what they're intending, but it's what they're saying. And I'm not demeaning that. I mean, no, I, you no. know, I, I'm in full-time vocational mm-hmm. ministry, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but what I'm struggling mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. is I've gone to the mat with, uh, mm-hmm. boards and stuff, mm-hmm. and we've had some tough, messy sessions, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of hurt feelings. Sure. It is, it is so much easier to put the mask on mm-hmm. and to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, than to be transparent and go through all the pain and, and suffering, isn't it? Well, I think for a lot of people it is. There's those of us that are so awkward and clumsy that we don't have any other choice but just to be transparent because <laughs> we just can't pull the other off. Yeah. Not that I've ever tried to, but yeah. but I just can't. I mean, I, I can't win at poker. If I had a good hand, <laughs> you'd know it. If I had a bad hand, you'd know it. I'm not oh, a good, good poker player. Yeah. <laughs> I'll raise you five. <laughs> well, Chris, you're, you're dealing with some raw people down on South 9th Street here in, in, in Modesto. You're dealing with people who have, have they've, they've hit the wall. They're raw and they're looking for authenticity. They're looking for reality. And as we, let's just kind of pursue this shepherd. Mm-hmm. The shepherd seminary thing that we're thinking about Mm -hmm. from the perspective of really hurting people who've hit the wall and they don't really have much left to lose. What are they looking for most in a representative from God, a a shepherd, a a pastor? Chris, what what, what are they yearning for? They're looking for somebody to spend time with them. Mm. Uh, It's it's something I was reflecting on. Uh, earlier in the week and, and wrote a little about it, but, uh, the, the thing that we have seen people respond to time and time again is time. And, and, uh, time that is not all about instruction. You know, there's parts of our work down there where we do that. Uh, but really it's, it's time in relationship, time, uh, where, People can feel that they're a part of something, uh, part of something that's more than just their solitary life. And people respond to genuine offers of relationship, of friendship. Mm. You know, I, I love your voice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, because it reflects the kindness, mm-hmm. not mm. the niceness, but the kindness, mm. the giving of thought. When somebody is sitting with you, I have a strong hunch that you, them, BBJ, and the Holy Spirit are all one for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Big Brother Jesus. You're not having that conversation alone, are you? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't even think of doing that. Mm-hmm. So you let him have skin. And you mm-hmm. give that person the gift of thought, the gift of valuing in his name, in, in God's name, by letting Jesus through you, the spirit through you, do like Jesus did with the woman at the well. Yeah, and, and there's there's people that, you know, there'll be someone that we'll be sitting with and, you know, there's one one woman down there who... She cannot carry on a conversation. She'll be talking in its words, but they don't string together mm-hmm. and make sentences. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what she needs 
from me in that moment. And, and the thing I've always mm-hmm. sensed is just listen, mm-hmm. you know, just listen, mm-hmm. let her know that somebody listens to her. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, in that moment, I do feel that we are representing God, the father mm-hmm. who, who is always with her mm-hmm. and is always listening. He's a great listener, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. About rewind a little bit. A couple of minutes ago, uh, Jim, you were you were talking about the way God was questioning Adam, and it mm-hmm. wasn't that God didn't know where Adam. I mean, he's sure. God; he knows. Sure. Right. It was for Adam's benefit, mm-hmm. and I find that very interesting because because Paul, I think, reflected that too. There's value in asking questions mm-hmm. to help people discover mm-hmm. where they're at. Mm-hmm. Adam really didn't understand really where he was at mm-hmm. until God questioned and allowed Adam to start to process it. Right. Isn't that a wonderful tool and, and, and yet sometimes frustrating because God, would you just give me the answer? Right. And the other half of that is God, can't you give me the answer so that I can rebel? Wow. Right. <laughs> That's very because true. what happens. Sure. Remember, freedom is the willingness to do what we want to do, even if someone demands that we do it. Mm-hmm. God, tell me what to do so I can rebel against it. Now, that's not what we think, but that is often what happens. Because mm. we try to do it under our own steam. Do you know, I know this is a subject that I keep bringing back. It breaks my heart, the portion of the body of Christ that is functioning in their old nature instead of their new nature. They're still saved. But that identity Alzheimer's, that belief that I am my old nature, I am my sins, I am the things that I've done, that's not who I am. I'm becoming in Christ. That's who I am. Nothing else defines who I am. Nothing but that. Period. Hmm. Jim, many years ago, you you just opened my mind to, to brand new... Um, depths of of 2 Corinthians 5.17, and this Mm. this is what we're talking about here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Very deep, but I think we tend to simplify it to the point Mm -hmm. of of, of missing missing Paul's point there, don't we? In fact, we do the opposite. Yeah, yes, we miss the point, and we get the opposite of Paul's point. Because he wants us to be his ambassador of reconciliation outward to Chris, inward to Jim. If we improve on God's plan, it's not improvement. Mm -hmm. God's plan is for our mission field of reconciliation to be out to those outside, well, outside of our own skin, okay. including outside of the walls. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, walls have nothing to do with church. Right. Mm. Okay. Mm. But he also wants us to have that same ministry inside. And when it says die to the old self, it doesn't say ridicule, stone, beat to death the old nature. Mm. He's talking about the death of identity. That's no longer who I am. Doesn't mean that isn't still driving. That's what Paul was saying. I still do the things I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not me 
That's doing it. Not denial. It's accuracy. And you can't have his nature and style without the mission field going in and out. If I'm giving out everything to everybody and I'm real resistant, reluctant to receive back, then I'm being very self-centered. If it's more blessed to give than receive, then how is it I demand to do all the blessing and you get to do all the receiving of my blessing? Mm. He wants us to be treating ourselves and each other the way he treats us. And that's the economy of the kingdom of God, giving yeah. and receiving. Yes. And the, and the fact that those things perpetuate one another. Yeah. The more you give, the more you receive, mm-hmm. which a- makes you able to give more. Mm-hmm. Out of abundance, it's easy to give. Mm. Out of scarcity, it's very difficult to mm. give. Friends, we're talking with Dr. Jim Hinman, and just a reminder, wonderful website with just oodles and oodles of nuggets of wisdom there. And uh, it's, it's www.care4u, F-O-R-Y-O-U, careforyou.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jim, you have a, a section on there talking about black ice. Mm-hmm. Unpack that for us. A Ooh, bit. <laughs> you got five hours? <laughs> <laughs> when you get to the home page, the, in the upper left, there's a there's a kind of a cartoon of a car skidding off in the in the in the snow, and it says, "Watch out for black ice on the road to recovery." Those are written nuggets. The first one, a deeper look at how faith impacts healthy change, is about a two-page. picture of what sanctification actually is is about it starts out actually the way we started out today first question in this little couple of page essay why does god let bad things happen to good people why does he let good things happen to bad people god wants us to have the kind of faith that we can ask those questions mm. It's insulting to God for a Christian to criticize another Christian for having honest questions of God. Mm-hmm. How do you have a relationship if you can't question and explore and say, Papa God, I am so mad at you right now. Now, later, as I get all that out, I may go back and say, remember what I said, God? Never mind. And the refresh button is there. He wants relationship, even if we're upset, angry, hurt. Our doubts, questions, and anger do not do anything to God's throne. None. Yes. He's, mm. he, he's not, uh, he's not insecure. No, he's not. No, he's not codependent either. <laughs> That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we roll this out, Jim, in, in, in real life, mm-hmm. We get some awfully weird variations of that within, especially within the Western Church. How, how dare you question this? Oh, don't get mad at God. Well, look at the roots. How did Constantine get people to convert? Mm. It wasn't through a relationship. Well, I, it wasn't through an well, open the relationship, relationship with the sword. Yes, right. Either yeah. you convert or you die. Right. 
You think that's really God's style in the covenant of grace? No. Didn't work too well, did it? Well, unfortunately, it worked too well. Hmm. Unfortunately, it, it allowed church to take on the world instead of being what God intended it to be, which was an organism, a spiritual organism of interconnected, integrated spirit of people with God at the center. This integration, uh, Jim, let, let's park on that for a moment. Uh, we, we have unintentionally and, and not with any malice, I don't think, mm-hmm. we have siloed ourselves on street corners. Mm-hmm. And we've put a lot of effort, a lot of money into the silos. Not a whole lot of effort into that integration. When, when you, when, when you ask people in town about the church, they, they think of a street corner. Mm-hmm. They think of a, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. building, which I don't think is what God had, no, had no. in mind. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I want, how, how do we get back to that original intent of, of, of of the body being one instead of being little silos. That, that's, that's a big God-sized problem. Yep. Bigger than me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I do believe that there's a growing number as we get into end times, a growing number of soldiers going into those walls mm. with Jesus' style and nature, like you're describing, Chris, where people are letting Jesus be reflected through their being. And that is kind of like the opposite of leaven. Mm. I mean, instead of making it puffy, it makes it, it makes it more real. Mm. But it affects in the way leaven affects, but doesn't make it puffy like mm-hmm. leaven does. Mm. It just allows God to touch as many lives as possible before he comes back. I'll, I want to issue a disclaimer here, mm-hmm. and because it, it may sound like it. Mm-hmm. I'm not beating up. No. I'm not beating up on the 21st century Western no. church. But, you know, what, 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 what troubles my mm-hmm. spirit mm-hmm. is I sense that we've gotten far away from what God had intended, mm-hmm. and I have great angst about seeing us get get back to mm-hmm. what God had because I think it would it would have incredible effect upon our communities. Oh, I think our yeah. communities would be turned upside. And I'm not talking about you know. Put, putting another evangelistic notch in our in our gun handle. Uh, what I'm talking about is actual communities thriving mm-hmm. because the body of Christ is operating as one together and is in relationship with the city. Mm-hmm. We're not we're, we're not there, and I I have tremendous uh, a- a- angst and and I'm I'm disturbed. Well, I mean, you know, I'm kind of disturbed anyway. You know that, but <laughs> I mean, I, I'm disturbed about that particular issue. <laughs> Hmm. I think that, for example, what um, vibrant communities does, mm-hmm. what other folks that 
may or may not even have the organizational uh, gift to, which is important, which is one I don't have. So I appreciate the gift of organization. Uh, but people that are willing to touch lives, like Chris, like you were talking about, the woman mm. that was kind of word salad, probably mm. maybe uh, some kind of schizophrenic, not on her meds. Mm-hmm. But as much as the words may not make sense, she can feel when you are caring enough to be with her as she's trying to express herself. Mm. That's putting skin on Jesus. That's putting the body where God wants it, I believe. Chris and I were um, looking at a book that, that we've we've both gone through called To Transform a City uh, by Eric Swanson and, and Sam Williams. An incredible, incredible book. And in that, they they talk about guarding against making people a program, mm-hmm. uh, making people a statistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is all about a, a relationship, and it is a long haul. Mm-hmm. I, we must stop, I think, this hit-and-run evangelism-type style and look at how do we develop long-term relationships where... The folks who are hurting and desperately need Jesus know that we're going to be there tomorrow mm-hmm. when they have more questions, when they hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, Chris, it gets back to this developing relationships, mm-hmm. which, which mm-hmm. you are wonderful at, you know, and, and mm-hmm. showing that on, on the South Ninth Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, let's talk, let's talk about the, the importance of the body of Christ and its view of the unchurched the non-Christian, the pre-Christian, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. How do we love them into eternity? The exact same way that Jesus did, by accepting them right where they're starting, mm. isn't trying to change them. Instead, begins relationship, which through the relationship draws them because of his love toward him. That is transforming them but not by demand, Mm -hmm. but by relationship, Mm -hmm. by caring enough to, to be honest, you know, if, you know, if, if you're doing, uh, you know, massive amounts of meth, it is loving for me to say, Hey man, I'm, I'm really worried for you. I remember a friend of mine, he's dead now, but, uh, and he, he didn't die of alcoholism, but, but he was uh, a pretty serious alcoholic. And we had a group of couples that get together and we'd, we'd do some wine tasting. And as my friend Bob would get a little bit of a lead, it started to feel more like wine drinking than wine tasting. And I began to realize, you know, something, you know, I hadn't really, you know, think about it when you're not working, you're not working, <laughs> you know. That guy, he really has a problem. I took him out to lunch and I said, you know, Bob, I love you. You're still welcome to come to the wine tasting, but I will not drink when you're there. Because mm-hmm. it's not respectful to you mm-hmm. to be drinking. And I'm not going to disrespect you by drinking in front of you. Mm-hmm. It was about two months later he went into treatment. Wow. Wow. Well, Paul had something to say about that in his letters to the Corinthians, didn't he? 
Mm-hmm. You know, the the whole issue of meat sacrifice to mm-hmm. idols, and mm-hmm. and uh, that, that that's so important to have that that sensitivity. Sensitivity, as Jesus had sensitivity, which is very different than a sensitivity that is so easily offended that political correctness has come out of it. Mm. Mm. Nothing kills relationship more than political correctness. Having to guard your words. Having to guard your words. Having to make sure that, that the, what you say is going to be acceptable no matter who the person is. That's like being intimate on Facebook. <laughs> you know, let me, let me, let me tell all of you in the audience about Facebook. Yeah. Facebook is like being on H Street here in Modesto, which is a one-way street in the middle lane in park and park traffic, cars all around you. Because you're by yourself, you're all alone in your car, you pick your nose. Mm. Well, guess what? You're surrounded by glass. You're not alone. And when you share on Facebook, you think you're sharing with a person, but you're sharing with the whole world. Yeah. You can't be intimate in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Let me take this moment to say you can like Advancing Vibrant Communities on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be very public. Yeah. <laughs> and don't pick your nose while you're doing that, right? <laughs> I don't ask for these examples. I really don't. I can see the cards and letters coming now. <laughs> I'm being good <laughs> for me. Jim, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the, the, this whole issue of confronting, being transparent, mm-hmm. uh, speaking truth, mm-hmm. uh, letting go of preconceptions. And the reason it popped into my mind is the way you and I first met. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I came from an environment that said, eh, we don't send people mm-hmm. to Jim Hanman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, some other people. Eh, mm-hmm. Not sure about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Well, we don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. So this mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. says, "Hey, Mike, let's go to this conference. You know, is that this church? Is in the Bay Bay Area or somewhere? And uh, I want I want to bring along a guy that, that really understands recovery well, and his his name is Jim Henman. Everyone, what? What? <laughs> what are you you, you got to be kidding. So he said, no, 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 no. You need to meet him. I said, well, okay. All right. And the beautiful thing was, when I met you, you did not have three eyes, you know, and four noses. And, and I'm going, man, I, I've missed a relationship with, with this incredible brother mm-hmm. because I had heard these you know, mm-hmm. misconceptions and, and, and misconstruing and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. But it, but it took that, uh, confronting that issue mm-hmm. and being transparent with each other to say, mm-hmm. man, this dude is deep. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, 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 I can learn mm-hmm. from him. And vice versa, Mike. Yeah. I remember when I was being interviewed by one of the staff out, take you out for breakfast and, uh, was being interviewed. I won't say who. And, um, this person was getting on a roll about submission. 
and really getting on a roll on submission. And I said, isn't it important to know who it is that you're submitting to, the nature and style of who you're submitting to? No, submission is submission. And just like I've been prepared to be fired for 40 years with individual clients, I was prepared to be fired by a church by saying, I'm sorry, I don't agree. I think that if you don't have God's style and nature in what you're reading, when you're reading scripture, you are distorting God's word. God's word must be read through the filter of his style and nature. Without it, it can be turned into all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Submission to a a dangerous person who may be a pastor is not God's will. Hmm. You know? It's spiritual abuse. Yeah, when you mm. when you separate God's nature from His Word, you get oppressive oh, religious um, systems. Oh man, that Great is point, so Chris. true. Yes, yes absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. Well, just if if any of this is piquing your interest, and I'm talking, you know, beyond sending me cards and letters about what we've been talking about, but yeah, this is important. I mean, I can imagine Jesus sitting down with his disciples, just like we, I mean, he didn't have microphones, he didn't have to have, mm-hmm. well, they're sitting around the table, you know, breaking bread together, mm-hmm. and, and Peter's, you know, probably acting out, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. Peter normally does, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and Matthew's thinking kind of like, you know, the bean counter that he is, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we had all these different paradigms. And Jesus has to be sitting at that table loving it. He has to be loving the questions. He has to be loving the, mm-hmm. the pushing back. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we mm-hmm. see some of that pushing back mm-hmm. in, in scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and the great way that Jesus preserves the relationship during the pushback. Right. He doesn't say, oh, the lantern. Jim, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. did not submit to me. That's You're right. out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and, and you know, take, take it. No, he, mm-hmm. he, he lovingly corrects, mm-hmm. you know, because he's got to adjust the distortions, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you look at learning, that which you interact with, you're most apt to internalize. That which you hear passively, the shelf life is about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wisdom is even more true than information. And with wisdom, if you're not pushing back, if you're not questioning, if you're not chewing on it back and forth with the freedom and safety to share things that you may not be even sure of, but you just need to hear them and get some feedback. Like I've gotten wonderful feedback from Mike over the years, much more of a scholar in terms of, of, of and now even more so, uh, than, than I've ever been. I've not gone to seminary. I've never had one seminary class, but I've had close to 40 years of personal tutelage where I've let him live through me loving clients. Mm. And then his word would draw me deeper and deeper with more confidence to let him live through me. Mm. (laughs) And it's been a positive circle over time. So I was self-taught by the son. Mm. Mm. So to speak. 
I, I cannot believe this. You know, God's time is eternal, uh, but ours is ours not. Isn't. We're, we're already about at the end of our, our time, and it's, it's just like... It just flew by. You know, it, it, it hits the afterburners, mm. and we go, mm. and all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's time to, to wrap up. I want to plant a seed just uh, for you, Jim, just mm. for a second, and then in, in the interim, I'd like Chris to respond to something. But uh, let me plant this seed. Mm-hmm. Jim, uh, I'd like you to end in just a moment with a prayer... For the people of our city, okay. think about all the trials and tribulations we have, the the, the corporate angst as, as as a city, as a culture, and what what would you ask our Father God, our, our Big Brother Jesus, on behalf of the hurting people of our cities? So let, let me plant that seed, you know, with you just just for a second, and then uh, uh, Chris, want to offer you uh, just j- just some final thoughts. Uh, you are out there in the trenches every day, and 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 you see you know humanity that has given up humanity sometimes is ready to to end it all what what advice would you give to congregations that really want to begin an outreach uh to to the hurting people out there in the streets what is probably the, the most effective thing that they can do to begin to minister to hurting people that they've never run across before uh, well, uh, s- s- the thing that we always do with, uh, teams that arrive and they want to come and, uh, learn about relationship-based outreach is we make them go out on the street and take nothing but themselves. Mm. And, uh, so, I, I mean, that would be my, my advice is to just go out, make some mistakes, but, but give, plan on giving nothing but yourself. And in the end, it's what people are really looking for. They're looking for a connection. And you're not alone in that process. That's you? right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jim Henman, would you pray for our city? Lord, I know that this is not only true for Modesto, but it's true for every town and city, not only in the United States, but in the world. In this time of confusion and, and tragedy, like Mike was saying at the beginning of the talk tonight what I ask you to give each of us Lord that is willing to receive your free gift is to let us see through your eyes both ourselves and each other and to respond to what we see Lord both internally and externally through your nature And when we find another endangered species, Lord, that is doing likewise, help us connect with each other because it can be really, really lonely at times. And we need support from other endangered species. So if you'll give us that, that will help move to deal with the tragedies that are part of a fallen world. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dr. Jim Henman, thank you so much for spending time with us again. And uh, just, it's just a wonderful time as, as God just takes the, the program, takes the reins. And look forward to having you back again. Chris Whitler, thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, our predecessor, Al Ramsey, appreciate you being here. And you, wherever you're listening around the world, thank you so much 
for participating with us. We'll look forward to joining you next time here on Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. <laughs>